When you're creative, your base assumptions are the things you can decide and then set and forget to lay a predictable groundwork for your creativity. And this allows you to avoid decision fatigue every time you engage with your creative process. Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandeven. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks, episode 35. This is the final episode in my three-part series on podcasting for beginners and everything I learned after one year of podcasting. The last two episodes, 33 and 34, have discussed my pointers for the podcasting process for beginners and the five things I've learned. Today is the final episode will be five more things I've learned after podcasting for a year. If you're a regular listener of Medium Lady Talks, you'll know that when my episodes end on the five, I usually do a series called Five Things to Try Right Now. So instead, we'll talk about five things to try if you consider yourself a creative or someone in the active pursuit of a robust creative life. Five things to try for creatives or budding creatives, if you will. So, you know, if you're not a person with a podcast or a creative side hustle or a (laughs) side hustle, side stroll, you know, I lovingly called Medium Lady that the other day, I hope you'll keep listening because this episode will continue to do something that I feel is strongly emblematic of the kind of content that I like to put out there. And that is content that removes barriers associated with our perception of the final product. I really try to role model and explain my way through the process of what it takes to make a thing, and that could be anything. A podcast, a reel, making a pretty manicure, making delicious mac and cheese. What's often missing from our consumption as viewers is the process, the how to get from nothing to something or the thing. And sometimes here on Medium Lady, you'll see the podcast about all the books I've read, which is the product of the work I've put into, the medium effort that I've put into thinking about my reading life and making tweaks and tinkering with my reading life to the point where I'm making my way through many wonderful books every few months. The podcast that reviews books is the product, but the process is different. Some processes are easier to demonstrate than others, But regardless, that's what I want you to feel as a member of the Medium Lady community is the process is always worth sharing because that's where you learn the most about yourself. The process is where self-discovery is the richest, not the thing that gets produced as a result. So with that being said, let's dive back into the things I've learned after one year of podcasting. Technically, I think I'm at like 13 or 14 months now, but who's counting? (laughs) I'm sure you weren't. And the five things to try on your life's path to a rich and satisfying creative life. Number six is to plan and then don't because life will happen. My first tip is to plan and then don't. Plan your content, plan your interviews, make a calendar, make a script, and then don't plan. Fly by the seat of your pants, allow content to be improvised, look for flashes of inspiration, and follow the garden path of your curiosities. This podcast came out of pretty distinct planning and a bit of analysis paralysis, if I'm going to be completely honest. 
But once I got a few episodes off the ground, what happened was the novelty of the creative process had to start to be flexible in order to become a part of my real life. I had to integrate the podcast as a project into the podcast as a lifestyle, if you will, and in order to make the creative process a more permanent part of my routine and my life, I had to figure out ways to make the structure more forgiving and malleable. So what do I mean by that? Okay, so here's an example. In the beginning, I had 10 episodes planned out based on what I thought would be desirable content. And I'm using finger air quotes there. Subject matter, I thought I could produce based on my knowledge and expertise. Again, finger quotes around the word expertise. Although, no, I'll take that back. I think that I definitely have expertise. I have something to offer. Um, So no, I'm not going to uh, tongue-in-cheek, you know, be self-deprecating there. I do have knowledge. I do have expertise. And this podcast is uh, based on the foundation of that. Okay, So I had planned those 10 episodes, and about five episodes in, I started to actually fall behind on that content for two reasons. The first reason is real life, and the second thing is that some new and cool things popped up and started inspiring me. So what I did was actually start to make episodes based on those things that were exciting to me and really representative of what was happening in my life at the time. But because I had deviated from the plan... I started to chase my deadlines, meaning I was producing content for very quick consumption, usually recording on the weekend, editing Monday, Tuesday, and posting and publishing the episode on a Wednesday. And that actually went on for much like longer than I would like to admit, maybe 10 episodes or so. Like I had a plan and then I started to deviate from that plan. And once I didn't have a plan, I kind of went on a little too long without a plan. So eventually that structure of sort of um, chasing the deadline, if you will, started to put me in a bit of a pressure cooker and I started to feel like I was making an episode just to hit the Wednesday deadline every week. It started to feel like without a plan, I was at risk of kind of reaching, um, reaching or like creating content that was less aligned with my values, but would satisfy the drive in me to check off the requirement of having the podcast released every Wednesday. So was this going to be the episode that really aligned with what was inspiring me? No, but was I going to be able to publish it by Wednesday? Yes. You know, back and forth and kind of in that cycle, it started to feel less like the development of a rich and creative life and more like I guess, kind of a performative creativity, making the podcast felt actually like too much work at that point. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm kind of making this sound. It, it all kind of sounds really dire, but I want to clarify that this happened slowly. And somewhere around episode 11, 12, 13, 14, I realized that I needed to continue and return to the spirit of experimentation that I'd been sharing on Instagram to extend that to the podcast as well. With that spirit of experimentation, I started to tinker with a bi-weekly release schedule. And at first that felt actually kind of like a failure and a bit of a setback. I felt like every time I came on the podcast or I came online, I had to explain why I had made that choice to go to a bi-weekly schedule. But looking back now, as I'm recording episode 35, I really don't think I would have been able to keep going. I don't think I would have been able to keep making meaningful content that matters to me, the content that speaks from a place that's grounded in my values and, you know, and interests me if I hadn't made that change to go to a bi-weekly schedule. And while, you know, of course, I do actually really want to return to a weekly schedule, 
you know, it's likely that there will continue to be times that I move back and forth between a weekly and a bi-weekly release schedule. And I could let that worry me because there are these sort of rules, again, finger quotes, there's a lot of finger quotes in this episode, you know, rules that suggest that the only way to grow is consistency um, and being really specific about your target audience and your niche and your ideal listener, etc. But I actually think the only way to grow swiftly and exponentially is about consistency. But I don't need to grow exponentially. Um, I can grow organically and slowly. I can take breaks. I can have regression and pause on my, you know, journey of growth. And as I said in last week's episode, growing organically is, is, you know, the whole point. The reason I'm making this podcast is to explore my creativity and to enjoy that experience. The enjoyment of the experience is a higher priority for me than exponential growth or fame and fortune as a podcaster. And actually, I don't know if anyone is claiming fame and fortune as a po- in the pod space. I, I doubt it, actually. So that is my first tip or tip number six in the continuation of the 10 things that I've learned after podcasting for one year. Plan and then don't plan and then fly by the seat of your pants. I think the next thing I'm going to talk about is to keep your wins big and your failures small. When looking back at anything you've worked on for a year, your brain is pretty apt to head quickly to the failures. And I spent just a few minutes describing my decision to change the bi-weekly schedule, which I can choose to see as a failure or I can choose to see it as proof of my ability to grow and be flexible while learning to run a podcast. And it's really important when you look back at the creative process that you keep your wins big and your failures small because the wins and the setbacks are just two sides of the same experience. I know that the worries that kept me from diving into the world of podcasting were very powerful motivators to stay small, to stay small, avoid sharing my voice, and to worry about the consequences of claiming more space in the world. All the things I worried about have not come to pass. All of the benefits that I dreamed of have come true and beyond. So here is a list of the big wins that I experienced in the last year. I have grown in my confidence to speak on what I believe in and what I have learned about myself and to position that as a body of expertise that I know can help others. I have connected with hundreds of people on Instagram and many of those followers have become wonderful loyal listeners of the podcast. The podcast has achieved over 1,000 downloads in the span of a year. I was sought out by Jane Allen's publicist to read and interview Jane for the release of the Black Girls Must Die Exhausted novel last fall. I have been able to deepen friendships and relationships through the interview process by inviting other creators and colleagues to share who they are and their interests and passions on the podcast. And that actually includes, you know, the deepening of my own, you know, marriage by interviewing my own husband. And I have brought my family into the process of podcasting. My kids understand how it works, my husband joins in to be recorded when I ask, and my family is invested in my personal growth as I continue to explore and be creative. Those are massive wins to me, and they couldn't have been born out of any other process except this creative process, this process of of making a podcast. Sharing wins actually makes me feel a little bit antsy, just like when I admitted that um, I like my own stuff in last week's episode. But I think it's more important to share the process of the creative thing that I also talk about the mindset of podcasting or being creative. 
Just because you can go and stream all 35 episodes of Medium Lady Talks doesn't mean that you can get a sense of what it takes from within to make a podcast. And making the thing can put a creative person through a multitude of experiences that may never be seen or witnessed by anyone. And I think this is the one tiny chance that I have to share more of that experience. So when I share those wins, you know, there are failures that I think of too, and and those failures are really small. I had to switch to a bi-weekly schedule. There's a small failure. I had to take two separate months off in the year that I started podcasting. One month off was planned in January, and another month off was unplanned in March. The other small failure, I guess, my, my social media posts about the episodes, they don't convert engagement compared to my other Instagram content. And, you know, I think even that last one is more interesting than a specific failure. But remember, the advice is to keep your wins big and your failures small. So those are small failures, and they're teaching me a lot about my own growth and my own mindset. But let's go back a few minutes because I'm really just basking in the glow of all the wins and the exciting things that came out of this year of podcast creativity. And that part of the process, that creative part of the process, is tangible and accessible to anybody listening. Anybody listening who's pursuing a creative thing, those wins are there for you. They're only accessible once you start, once you start the process of making anything creative. My next point is about assumptions about your own creativity. And this is point number eight. You can make some fixed assumptions about your creativity and you can kind of set and forget some things, but not everything. There's a lot of the creative process that can be supported by what I'm going to call a few operating assumptions. Operating assumptions are the things that are always true all the time and they often go unsaid. These assumptions create a foundation for making a thing happen or producing a change or setting upon an agreement. When you're creative, your base assumptions are the things you can decide and then set and forget to lay a predictable groundwork for your creativity. And this allows you to avoid decision fatigue every time you engage with your creative process. Here's a few base assumptions about my own creativity. The podcast always releases on Wednesday at midnight. The opening and closing credits never change. The cover art for the podcast never changes. The promotion of each episode since 2022 is the pink tile on my Instagram feed. And for that, I always use and reuse the same Canva template week after week. Interviews pretty much consistently follow a similar four-question format each time. Book episodes happen four times a year, and they always describe my probably pass, know yourself, and medium lady must-read categories. Every episode on the tens includes a conversation between my husband, Nick, and I. And every episode on the fives is an iteration of five things to try right now. And that's episode 35 you're listening to right now, which is... Five more things to try in your pursuit of a creative life. So those are some base assumptions that create a bit of a safety net for me. These assumptions are a bit of my security blanket for creating content. It means every time I start a fresh episode draft, I don't have to feel like I'm starting from square one every time. And I think it's worth reflecting at a few milestones along the way to define your base assumptions and then make sure you're checking in so that they're still working for you. My friend Tracy Stanger has a program called Sort, Purge, and Organize, and I often think of that phrase when it comes to this piece of advice. Sort through the decisions you need to make, purge all the distracting information that isn't useful or isn't practical to your creative process, and then organize those decisions into your operating assumptions so you don't have to make those decisions every time you're faced with a new episode or a new creative pursuit. 
A big operating assumption for my podcast was how I created and finalized my intro and outro music. I've mentioned before that podcast music can be found for free. Just search Creative Commons licensing music and make sure that the music has been released for audio production. I remember distinctly knowing that I wanted piano music to open the podcast and I wanted something kind of pensive and hopeful. And from there, I was able to settle on my intro music. And then I wrote the script, which was loosely inspired from the intro of another podcast I love called 10 Things to Tell You. Now, I did not take Lara's introduction word for word, but I did take it idea by idea. And here's how that looks. The first part of my intro is my greeting. Hi, I'm Erin, and this is Medium Lady Talks. The second part is what the podcast explores. This podcast explores the blank of blank. The next part is what my goals and ideas are for you, the listener. And the fourth is the invitation to keep listening. From episode one, I've used the same recording for my intro and outro, and that decision is done. It's complete. It's an ongoing, operating assumption of the podcast. It helps me get to the meat of each episode really quickly during my weekly editing process. And the intro and outro matter, but they don't matter nearly as much as the actual content of each episode. Operating assumptions, I think, apply to all creative processes. And when you pay attention to them, you can feel the freedom and the space that is gained in your head for real creation because you're not choosing the operating system for your creativity each and every time. Operating assumptions for other creative processes might look like the following. You may have just choose a preferred medium, watercolor, acrylic, music, writing, portrait photography, nature photography. You may use the same research process for each new endeavor. You may have a templated color story or a branding font. You may have a consistent time of day to be creative. You may have a plan for how many ways you repurpose your content every time you create something. We make these pre-programmed decisions in lots of areas of life. I, I actually like really love the idea of operating assumptions. I, there might be another podcast episode in here. And if you think so, I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram. The last two things I'm going to talk about in my five things for creatives to try are actually things that I'm going to dedicate more headspace to in my second year of podcasting. So if you have tips or ideas to help me learn these two things, I would love it if you would connect with me over on Instagram at medium.lady. You can look for the pink tile in my feed to find the post related to this episode. And that's where I would also invite you to connect with me and other listeners after the episode. So the last items are figuring out how to drive social media, not let it drive me, and eating the frog when it comes to pitching myself and the podcast. I want to stay in the driver's seat when it comes to social media. There have been more moments than I would like to admit when social media and the podcast promotion on Instagram has actually kept me from producing more content. There are topics I've considered for recording, but they feel like maybe they wouldn't lend themselves very well to promotion on Instagram. And I feel a bit weary of considering the visual representation for what is always an auditory creation. But social media is a tool, it's not the outcome when it comes to Medium Lady Talks. And like all social media, the algorithm will only learn from what I feed it. Another way that I can develop more tenacity and strength when it comes to not letting social media drive my creative process is by reminding myself that I have lots of time for the podcast to grow and gain listenership. So much of social media is associated with gauzy data like followers and views and plays and likes, and that can translate into how well something is being received, but really... 
there's a lot of data, but very little real information from those numbers. For example, I typically don't have a lot of engagement on those pink tiled posts, but I keep them there in case that a listener is looking for a chance to connect in a meaningful way. And that's all that really matters. The post is not indicative of how well the episode was received or how many people listened or how many people converted into subscribers, etc. It's merely a way of marking the episode in my feed so that it can act as a visual archive of the episode. There were a few episodes probably right before my change to a bi-weekly schedule when it actually felt like I was thinking about social media before drafting an episode of the podcast. And that happened in a really sneaky way that almost created immediate set dissatisfaction with my creative process. So <laughs> I'm going to do a bit of storytelling here. I was messing around online and I posted a reel that went viral. This actually still sounds totally insane, but this reel got 3.2 million views. It is not related to the podcast. It doesn't even use my own voice, but it took on a life of its own. And for a bit of a moment, I actually felt like it was something I needed to dissect and pay attention to. But the more I did, the more unhappy and stuck I felt. So I slowly started to give that experience less and less attention It helped, of course, that it eventually flipped out of the algorithm's favor. And I'm glad I paid attention to that feeling because it allowed me to think a little bit and gain a bit of space and appreciate the freedom that making a schedule change allowed me to feel more relaxed and more open to my own creativity. Creativity for the sake of enjoyment and purpose, not for the sake of social media posts or reels. I do know that my relationship with social media is kind of cyclical and can definitely be connected to what else is going on in my life. If I'm feeling particularly irritable or stressed, I might turn to social media for validation that something is going right. But if my recent post or reel hasn't gotten any likes or comments, it might actually compound how I'm feeling. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I was above it all, but I'm only human, so I'll give myself that grace. But in the second year of podcasting, I would really like to develop a bit more of a driver mentality rather than a passenger one. Okay, and that brings us to the last item of today's episode, the last of the five things I'm recommending in your pursuit of a creative life, and that is eating the frog when it comes to pitching yourself. Eating the frog is a phrase that comes from a Mark Twain quote, which goes like this. If it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the bigger one first. This is some, you know, productivity pop psychology that really kind of boils down to just doing the thing you're dreading doing, because after it's done, you'll not only be further along in achieving your goals, but you'll feel better. (laughs) And feeling better will carry you along further in your process, in this case, a creative process. I know that pitching myself is the next way to step outside of my comfort zone and achieve my goals. My goal being increased connection with others, other guests, other hosts, other audiences. But while I was in the first year of Medium Lady Talks, I allowed the interview schedule to happen really organically. I can feel that in season two, I'm going to have to get really intentional about the guests I pursue for the show and also the podcasts I think I would be a good fit for as a guest. This is a frog for me because it will require a bit of cold calling. It will require a bit of persuasion and it will require a bit of influence, but mostly it will require time. And that's the one thing that keeps kind of slipping through my fingers. 
you know, I'm, I'm recording this. It's the middle of May. When did that happen? But I need to eat the frog because when it comes to this, meaningful connections take time and the interview process is somewhat, at least for me, about trust between me and my guest. So I have to start making that time investment soon. Otherwise, I'm going to hit the end of the second season without having made the progress that I want towards the goal of increased connection. I have another quote for you in this piece of advice, which is most people overestimate what they can get done in a year and underestimate what they can get done in a decade. This famous piece of wisdom is most commonly attributed to Bill Gates, but holds true over shorter time spans too for me. We tend to overestimate what we can get done in a day, but underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. I might also be overestimating the amount of pitches that I need to make in order to accomplish what I want in a year. Last year, my highlight was interviewing Jane Allen, and that was an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap. But once it did fall in my lap, it took a lot of time to plan, to set up, to get right. And this year, I just know that where I can see myself going when it comes to interviewing and guesting on other podcasts, it's not going to be the kind of thing that doesn't happen with at least a little bit of medium effort. With that being said, if you're listening and you can think of a guest that you'd love to hear on the podcast or a podcast you think I should pitch myself as a guest, please don't hesitate to message me on Instagram at medium.lady. I'm regularly there chatting in DMs and there's no doubt I'm so, so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're shaping me and this podcast for the better and for many future episodes to come. I hope if you find yourself building a creative life or if you find yourself wishing for a creative life, that these five things to try were encouraging and inspiring for you and that they help you feel a little bit more kinship with the process rather than the product. My name is Erin. This has been episode 35 of Medium Lady Talks. I hope you are well wherever you are, and I'll see you again soon. Bye.